everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner. You're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast. I'm the author of Common Sense Pregnancy, the book, a Penguin Random House publication that came out last summer, and it is your guide to navigating a healthy pregnancy and birth for mother and baby. Um, oh, so much to talk about this week, but a um, couple things. I was at the grocery store this week, and every parent in the place uh, was just swarming all over the school supplies, getting the right backpacks, getting the perfect pencils, um, helping their kids pick out the right binders and folders. And uh, the big struggle that we always have is finding the right damn composition notebook. It's got to be college ruled, not wide ruled. That makes a big difference to high schoolers. Anyways, um, it's back to school season, and I know that everybody is winding down their summer plans, some parents with a huge sense of relief because finally they have a place to put their youngins from 8 a.m. till 3 p.m., more, more or less. Um, my uh, niece, Jessica, down in Torrance, or Lamita, California, has been struggling all summer camping her boys who are, you know, school-age boys, um, you know, this camp and that camp all summer long so that she can work. It is such a challenge. And I know that she's feeling the relief of knowing it's over. We're back to school. I, on the other hand, absolutely love summertime. And since I primarily work from home I don't, and I, my kids are a little older, I don't have to worry about the daycare struggle anymore. It's awesome. And I'm grieving the end of summertime and getting back into the regular schedule of school. Where are you guys at? Back to school, yay or nay? Um, so I got, got a really, really sweet email from a reader, a listener this week, Billy Joe, and she wrote with something that is just oh so common. And I'm gonna read Billy Joe's question and then uh, do my best to answer it and reassure her. So Billy Joe says, so my husband and I did an eight hour childbirth class yesterday. We're due October 10th for our first baby. I wanted my plan to be going to six to seven centimeters, and then if it's too much, before we start transition, I'll do an epidural. I'd like to go natural, but I just also want to have a backup plan. My husband stated to me this morning before work that the epidural scares him because of the side effects and that it could make things much worse for stalling the birth and the risks of me getting hurt in some way, especially with the needle in my back and all that good stuff. I'm not sure how to handle that. Any suggestions? Yeah, I do, Billy Joe. Um, your husband is right where lots and lots and lots of husbands are, especially first time husbands. They, you know, they, you know, this isn't just for husbands either. It's for, you know, same sex partners. It's for, um, you know, boyfriends, it's for grandparents, it's for, you know, anybody who is intimately involved with the mother, with you, Billy Joe, who is concerned about your health and well-being and also about you getting through labor the easiest, safest, and best way. And I get that. That's your husband's concern. I also get that when you take these eight-hour childbirth classes, um, I don't know if you took it at your hospital or not, but they have a responsibility to you know, tell you everything that they possibly can, including the side effects and risks um, of all the pain management options. 
those are the things that really stick in your mind. The, you know, off chance that something bad could happen. Um, you mentioned the needle in your back, and seriously, that is the least of your worries. The anesthetists and anesthesiologists who do these procedures do them all day long. The needle in the back is just bad PR. Um, I hear that from patients a lot. And seriously, that's not a big deal. They know what they're doing. They're not going to injure your back. That part will be fine. Um, you know, stalling labor, yeah, it's possible. That does happen sometimes. But if you are successful in your birth plan and you do wait until you're six to seven centimeters, you're in good rockin' hot labor. And an epidural might slow it down temporarily, um, but you're going to get back into it and be a lot more comfortable. I've also seen it that when women get epidurals in really active labor and they're not dilating as quickly as the medical staff would like, um, sometimes an epidural will cause them to relax so completely because they're no longer in pain that their cervix dilates. It can go either way. Um, the other side effects that are associated with epidurals are you know, they happen, we, you know, we're talking about low blood pressure. We know that that happens. So we give you a lot, a lot of fluid into an IV before you get the epidural to sort of counteract that. If the blood pressure, your blood pressure goes really low, um, that can affect the baby's heartbeat too, temporarily, usually. And so what we do as nurses is we load you up with fluids and we call the anesthetist or anesthesiologist who comes in and you know can counteract that low blood pressure with medication. So we have we have techniques, we have tactics for dealing with the side effects. Um, I still I totally understand your husband's concern, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that this is all out of control. This isn't something that he can regulate or dominate or protect you from or anything like that. It's out of his hands and he's worried and he's worried about you. So he's expressed his concern and I respect that. I'm glad he told you that. Um, I think though that what you guys need to talk about is the fact that you've got a really reasonable plan here. Um, you'd like to go natural, but you want a backup plan. Can't say as I blame you. I think epidurals are really good as part of your backup plan. Um, you kind of want to get to six to seven centimeters before you make that decision. Excellent. I applaud that. There's a very good chance that you can get through your entire labor without needing an epidural. But when you get to that point where you've decided enough's enough, I need to use another tool to get through this, whether that's because you're progressing more slowly than you thought and labor is taking a lot longer or if it's because seriously this pain is more than you thought you were bargaining for and you need a little extra help whatever your reason when you get to that point where you say i want an epidural it's your husband's job at that point to respect that you know best what you and your body need you know what tools you need to use to get through labor you know, it'd be one thing if you were delivering with a midwife in your home or a birth center and you weren't confined to a specific labor schedule or specific labor protocols that are, you know, common in hospitals. Um, you know, you'd 
do spend most of your labor in bed in a hospital because they want to monitor you and your baby. That restricts your movement. That can impede your labor progress. Um, they're not going to give you food and drink, which we now know dehydration and lack of nutrition can impact your labor progress. You know, it's an artificial environment that most women deliver in. And hospitals can make it so that it totally works for mothers. Um, but it kind of depends on where you are. So if you're going to have a hospital birth, you're going to work within the system that they have set up to the best of your ability and try to have a natural birth. If you make another choice, that's not failure. That's not risky. That's a choice. You're using a tool. And I think that your husband has a responsibility to respect you on that. Um, have a talk with him. Work it out. You guys will be okay. And um, I'll be thinking about you guys. I hope you let me know in October how everything went. I really like your birth plan. Um, what else do we want to talk about today? Um, I don't know if you guys remember. A while back, I think it was uh, podcast number 20, I spoke with a young mother who um, discussed how uh, brand new parenthood really brings the creativity out of you. It really makes you scramble um, in terms of your professional abilities, your daycare needs, your, you know, just everything. It's a time of huge creativity for most mothers. And I called that that podcast Mother of Invention because it is such a time of reinvention. Well, today I want to talk to a woman that I met briefly this summer. Um, I think I've mentioned in an earlier podcast that I have spent this summer going to hear live music. Uh, one of my most fun weekends was I went down to the California World Fest and just listened to music and camped and hung out in the sun and danced all weekend long. It was exactly what I needed. And one of the bands that I heard, actually, just I just loved this band. It's called Dirty Revival. And the lead singer uh, was just, she was captivating. She was an absolute star. And then I found out she was a Portland girl. And I thought, I really want to talk to her. Well, the next day, I was dancing to a band in the afternoon, and there she was. And so she and I had a little moment together on the dance floor, and I told her that her band was my absolute number one favorite of the weekend, and she said, find me on Facebook. I did, and that's leading us to our phone call today. I want to talk to Sarah Clark, lead singer of Dirty Revival, about what it's like to rock out with motherhood. Let's get her on the phone. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am really good. Sarah, I introduced you just a little bit um, before we got on the line today, but um, I think you're probably going to do a, a better job of it. Just to you know, get us started, you and I met really briefly on the dance floor at California World Fest and danced, yes. it, danced it out to one of my new favorite bands, Joy and Madness. Um, oh, they were amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just <laughs> so loved that. Um, I'd seen your show the night before on the main stage. You leading the best band of the entire world, oh. Fest, Dirty Revival. Oh, and thank you. You killed it. 
So then, Thank you so much. of course, I found you on Facebook and discovered you're also a mom. And I thought, oh, my God, I got to talk to that girl. So here we are. Which is great. I know. Yes, and- I had a wonderful time at California World Fest. And uh, um, you'll be excited to know that I think that we're, we're going to do a couple shows with Joy and Madness. When and um, where? The, well, right now we're working on California dates in December. I don't know have anything locked down specifically, uh-huh. but they will eventually be coming to Portland also. So we're going to be doing some show trades because that energy was uh, really wonderful that they gave. And we share some of that. So oh, yeah. We're really yeah, excited yeah, yeah. to work yeah. Uh, well, I'll be there when I it, when you're in Portland. I'll be yeah. I'll be there. So the first question I like to ask is often a challenging one. Tell me who you are and what you do. Okay. Well, I am. I'm a mother, and I am a singer, and uh, artist. Um, it's interesting because the artistic side of my life actually did not develop until after I'd had my son. Yeah, um, the artistic been, side? No? Yeah, the art, yeah, really. My, like, my art, my, I was not performing professionally until after I had my child. Whoa. What'd you or do before that? anything. Because your son's pretty young, working. isn't he? Was, yes, he is uh, five years old. Hmm. He just turned five in May and lost his first tooth last week oh my gosh i love that stage starting kindergarten next week oh yes he's uh he's getting big on me it's crazy um but yes i didn't uh when he was born i was working as a like event manager like event coordinating and management um as well as running some like the uh, theater at one of uh, uh portland's local McMinimins. And, you know, I've been doing work like that for a lot of years. I just kind of fell into it after high school. Um, and I liked it a lot. I didn't really, I had not really considered music as being uh, something I could pursue professionally for whatever reason. I'm not entirely sure. Were you a casual um, a musician? Were you a singer or, you know, just music had been part of your life? At all? Yeah. So, you know, I had um, grown up with music in my house. My mom is a very, uh, she loves music of all kinds. And she plays um, the piano, She, but just for fun, um, and is classically trained. She, we always had a piano in our home, um, musical instruments. We were always listening to music. It was just a huge part of everything we were doing. And singing kind of just came naturally to me. So I did, I did you know, participate in choirs in middle school and in high school. Um, some of the local uh, choral programs in Portland are great, including Grant High School's choral program. And I, you, you're a Grant girl. In, you went to Grant. Yes, I am. Oh, yeah. that's where <laughs> all my kids went to high school at Grant. I have uh, most of Derby. Yeah, really. Yeah, one of my daughters is still there. there. Wow. Our our drummer, our guitarist, our keyboard player, and our sax player, and myself all went to Grant and graduated around the same time. We've known each other for years. Okay, well, I don't actually know how old you are. And I wonder if you might, you might even know uh, my daughters, my older daughters went to Grant. It's possible. I am 33 years old. I graduated in 2001. Okay, you're a little older than they are. My oldest is 28. That oh, wow. One, yeah, so. Well, they, she might know um, Evan or, or Carl because they were a little bit younger than uh, 
Carrie and I and Chris, who all graduated the same year in the band, but they, I think Evan just turned 30, so they, I think they went to night of school together. Yeah, and it's not that big a town. Everybody knows everybody. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that part. There's definitely that part. <laughs> so you were telling me, you know, it was part of your, it was the power of the mama. Your mom introduced you to it and, and kept it going through your yeah. life, and then you had it through school, and then you Absolutely. went to work for a living. Yeah, you know, I just, I mean, it was just what made sense in my life. I um, was making pretty decent money, and I didn't really see any reason to do anything else. Um, but after I'd had Donovan, 2011, um, I switched from working at uh, McMinniman's, and I went to New Seasons, which kind of provided me with a little bit more stability in the way that my hours were constant. Mm-hmm. As constant as they could give me, me um, and I knew exactly right how much. New seasons, huh? new seasons for our listeners who aren't in Portland is a really lovely grocery store chain here. Really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, cool. they are wonderful, and yeah. I was really lucky at the time. You know, they've they had very um, family friendly policies, so I was able to get a schedule that really worked for having a newborn as well as, um, and, you know, I knew how much money I was going to be bringing in every month, so it was really easy to plan. Yeah. I was really thankful for that, but I had gone from going working a job where sometimes the hours were astronomical, you know, like 60 to 70 hours a week, to working 38 hours a week, um, and Just, that gave me a lot more time in life. That's still a aside lot. Besides raising a child. 38 hours it is a, a lot. week. So, you know, you're a new mom and you're working, seriously, you're working full time at 38 hours and mm-hmm. you still had some energy. Well, no, <laughs> okay, like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that was when Donovan was brand new and I worked there for two years before I even considered doing anything else. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I just kind of, I, all I could do was kind of get through work. Um, I picked up a second job for a while um, when I moved uh, I, I rented a house I was trying to um, give you know Donovan the whole the whole thing with the uh, like ticket fence and his own bedroom and everything um, but you know the housing market in Portland is crazy and I was paying an insane amount in rent and um, anyway so yes I, I did work a lot when he was when he was first born um, for the first couple of years but I still, you know, I still really value the fact that I could come home at the end of the day. Um, I was kind of stuck constantly working in some fields that's, you know, women face that. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of women face that. So then how did the music come out of you? What happened? Well, um, our drummer and very good friend of mine who I've known for I don't even know how many years, Terry, got in touch with me and wanted to know if I wanted to doing a jam session that uh, him and Evan, our guitarist, and Terry's little brother, who was our bass player, our original bass player, um, they were just kind of jamming in the basement of this house. They were all renting together. And Terry asked me to join. And I really balked it at first. You know, I was busy, obviously. And I had a two-year-old. Um, and I'd never sung in a band before. And I, you know, I just, I was kind of, I was nervous. I was uncomfortable. It was not my element to be in but you know um 
kind of the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know, like, what's the harm? It's Terry. Like, this will be fun. It's anything. Yeah. And so we started playing some music, and um, we started with some cover tunes, and I was supposed to play the the keys and sing, Mm -hmm. and I was unable to do that, so we called Carl, and, you know, we just kind of kept adding on to the band in that way. It was very organic. It just sort of happened. Um, And then things started to pick up for us, you know, and that was not really the plan or expected on anyone's uh, on anyone's behalf. Like, we, I don't think anyone expected that we were going to actually play gigs. We were just kind of having fun at first. But it happened. Um, but it did happen, yes. And, you know, the more that we got out there, decisions had to be made. And, you know, it was taking up a lot of time. And I decided, though, that it was more important for me to maybe pursue a passion that I had, something that I love very much, and, you know, kind of show, it's like you have a kid, you got to show them more, you teach them life lessons and stuff. And my whole thing was like, I'm just going to do this. And then I can tell Donovan it's okay to try to do stuff that you love. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll just go back to work because you can always get another job. And I'll teach them that lesson too. Like, you know, you try to do what you love, but if it doesn't work out, you you move on. Yeah. Um, and we just haven't gotten to that point yet. It's working out better than I ever would have imagined, which is, has a whole new set of problems. But, um well- you know, I've seen you perform, and you shone on that stage. You were, I mean, I like to go hear music. I like to hear live music, and I saw a lot of music that weekend, but you are a real standout performer, and I think that when you have that quality of talent and ability, especially if you're in a creative industry, you almost owe it to your child to say, this is how we live in the world. This is how we take the gifts we were given and put them to work in the world. This is how it's done. And, you know, I, I feel for the women and the men who, you know, one, never get the chance to recognize that talent, or once they have it, they put it on hold indefinitely or permanently, or they snuff it out because they, they think they can't do it. You know, they listen to the messages that say that's not what you're supposed to do as a parent. I find that absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's it is it's really tough. I think that um, I think that we listen. There's a lot of cues in life that you can take, and you know, part of the reason for me that I think I felt music wasn't attainable when I was younger is because I was listening to a lot of those negative cues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of people face that, you know, and it was in some ways, I wonder if it wasn't an easier career to start when I was 30, um, because I, you know, kind of learned which voices were to be taken seriously and which ones weren't in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of that inhibition goes away, you know? Yeah. I think that that's something we could do more and we kind of owe ourselves, like, you had a passion when you were a kid, there's no reason to kind of explore that again when you're older. Maybe the timing wasn't right then. Maybe the timing is right now. Yeah. Wonder what would the world be like if, you know, every parent told their child, go for plan A. Don't go for the fallback dream. You know, I know that I didn't become a professional writer until pretty late in life, too. I was actually in my early 40s before I took it up. And I think that I had... A lifetime of messaging before that saying well you know yeah you know get make sure you have your day job first and then you can be a writer but what if we all told our kids go for plan a 
be the musician, be the, the writer, be the artist, be the executive, be whatever it is that you really, really want to be when you grow up, whatever your passion takes you to. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, then go to plan B, then go to plan C. Yeah, and that's why they call it those things, you know. I mean, but I, you know, I do, I do think that, in some ways, you know, I'm thankful for the path that I took, even though it, you know, it took a little bit longer. And I hope that, you know, Donovan finds whatever way works best for him. You know, there's some things that I have some experiences that I would not have ever been able to have um, had I focused on music mm-hmm. um, when I was younger, including the fact that now, like. I know enough trade that if things were to go terribly horrible and I couldn't, you know, perform at all anymore, if I were to lose my voice or something crazy like that, I could get a job in like any restaurant. You know, like, mm-hmm. There's a lot. Of, I, I would always be okay because I've learned a lot living in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that, not that, that art isn't real or that shouldn't be considered that way, but, you know, working with, um, you know, working with people and for people, there's something that, you know, about that that changes you I think Um, I think it refines your ability to provide service you know if you're working in a traditional customer service role like waitressing I loved being a waitress or you know at a market or I was a nurse for 25 years that's about customer service and you learn how to provide those skills and then you take it into you know your your big, big job, which is, I think that you're at the point in your life where you have your big, big job right now, which is, yeah, yeah. when you take that service component and those, those basic skills that you learn into that, uh, it can only help you. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I do agree. I think that your performance, at least for me personally and everybody in the audience around me, you were providing us a very personal service. And that was, you know, for me, I came to that to World Fest super stressed out, and you gave us the ability to just dance it out and relax and enjoy and, and have a hell of a good time. That's service. Oh, that's wonderful. That's Thank service. You. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yes, and it's my favorite thing to do. You know, and I and that is something awesome. I am grateful that I was able to do in life and find not just something that like to do but something to do that also makes me really happy and other people's happy other people happy it's um i don't know it feels really good to share yeah who you are yeah i know that you know in my career you know as a writer and a interviewer and and as a nurse they enable me to sort of make my creative contribution and it's part of the work i'm supposed to be doing in the world and um, one of the real beauties about being at the stage of life that I'm in is that you can look back over your career path and you can see how you know, each stepping stone led to the next one and the next one and the next one. And even at the time, you know, in my, when I was yeah. in my early thirties and, uh, you know, had young kids, I did not dream this far and I did not have any kind of recognition of how anything connected, but now I do. That's the value of hindsight. And I can see that it all, that's all how it's supposed to work out to be able to do the work I'm supposed to do in the world. And I wonder if you feel that way about your work at all at this point in your life. Um, I do. You know, I mean, I, I, 
I just, I know I'm so thankful, you know, my son is another big part of this for me because I would never have, I would never have walked over to the side um, if it wasn't for him. Um, and so, yes, in so many ways, like I, I feel like I am obviously today the person that was built yesterday, you know, like it just, it just keeps kind of those little blocks that keep getting added together. Mm-hmm. Um, but the birth of my son was a, was a huge huge thing for me um it made me you know I I kind of understood love in a way I never understood it before um I felt responsible not only for his life but for mine suddenly in a way where I maybe had been you know a little lazy about things in the past um and I didn't feel the need to do that anymore uh so yeah I mean I I everything I, I do is for him um, even when, you know, we're on the road for long periods of time and I don't get to see him, it's really, it's tough, but, um, yeah, he's the reason that I, I have the voice that I have hmm. and that's what I feel about it. I've talked to other women who find that, you know, there's all this creative energy that goes into, you know, the conception, the pregnancy, the delivery and the creation of the child and that a lot of women have that is like opening the spigot for them in terms of their creative abilities or for a period of time they they have leftover creative energy and they find their you know they they find their passion or they find a way to do something extra that they didn't do before um and for a lot of women it comes from a place of um career desperation you know they're facing the oh you know the maternity leave and child care algebra that we all have to do for <laughs> first you know the first 12 15 years of our child's life figuring out what to do with them and how to make enough money and getting the bills all together yeah. and you know we scramble and a lot of women they get real creative and wonderful wonderful things happen Absolutely. And I think that, I mean, childbirth and pregnancy in and of itself, like that was by far the most difficult thing I've ever done in my whole life. Um, and, and I think even sometimes people, people tend to kind of want to like diminish that, like how hard it actually is mm-hmm. to create life inside you. That, I mean, it's an, it's an amazing thing and it's very difficult. And, um, you know, and there's also that kind of knowledge, like, if I can do that, then it seems like anything is attainable at that point. Yeah, it does, um, doesn't it? But I think, yeah, yeah, it really does. It's like there's nothing, <clears throat> I mean, there's, I just I can't imagine anything more, and no personal, and I mean, you just go through so much mentally and physically in those months of pregnancy and after mm-hmm. um, childbirth that... I mean, it should change you as a person. Uh, I think that's very much so okay. It's life-changing. <laughs> yeah, it really it, is. Yeah. Beautiful. It, it's life-changing in every way. It takes you from the person you were before to the person who is now a mother. And mm-hmm. at the same time, it creates an entire separate life. I mean, it's there's nothing yeah. like it. There's nothing like it. And, it, and you learn and... and you continue to learn, and I think that that's also part of it too. Like you, you, <clears throat> there's everything is constantly changing, and every year is a new year, and everything is a new thing, and your child changes, and you change, and it just 
keeps happening. It's a, it's a constantly evolving mm-hmm. um, experience. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, I mean, it's beautiful and difficult. And um, yeah, but I, I mean, I wouldn't, I would never go back in time and oh. not experience it. A lot of, um, a lot of moms think that this kind of constant evolution in the relationship and in your capabilities and in the experiences that you have are limited to the time that your children are actually under your roof. And, you know, I have, my kids range from 16 to 31. Um, I have four of my own kids and then a niece who is also part of my five pack. And my experience so far for the last 30 something years is that it, that continues if you are fortunate enough to be able to remain in your children's lives, to remain, um, you know, involved in their day-to-day activities or week-to-week. Or I asked my husband um, the question at Father's Day about what is the advice he would give as an old dad to a new dad, but or as an older parent to younger parents. And he said to stay relevant, to stay relevant in their lives. And if you're fortunate enough to do that, the same experiencing experience you're having with your kindergartner, it continues into adulthood. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah I mean, because that's, that's definitely a fear, I, I think, too, for a lot of people is that you have these years and they're yours and then that changes. And, yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I find myself experiencing that intensely from, like, moment to moment with him because, you know, especially this last summer, our band was on the road, actually this last year, more than I would have ever thought was even a thing. Like, I just, I was not really prepared um, for that reality of this business, which is that you have to go out and play your music for people, and that means you can't be home. Right. Um, so how do you manage that? that? I didn't, how, who's your, I, who's your backup? <laughs> You know, I, um, I'm very fortunate in the way that his father is very involved in Donovan's life. Um, you know, Bill and I have decided that we're not, we don't really work together. Um, and that's totally fine, but we work very well together in raising Donovan. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're able to split time and do things that we think are uh, the most beneficial things we can do for him. So he, you know, he does have Donovan a few days um, in the, during the week anyways. So he, he continues that and a little bit extra when I'm on the road. And then my mother steps in um, frequently and is and takes over. Um, he visits his grandparents, uh, his dad's parents in Washington and his cousins in Washington a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my mom definitely uh, holds down the fort in a lot of ways. Um, so he gets a lot of grandma time, and I think that that's wonderful. Excellent. Yeah, I think that that's great. Yes, I mean, it's super important. It's generational, you know, like, I mean, yeah, that's, family is very important. And this is, uh, having the three of us work together, um, me and Bill and um, my mom um, in Portland, because we're the ones that are in Portland, the rest of the family is kind of outside of that. Um, I don't know, it just means a lot to have, to know that you have people that have your back when you have to leave and that when you're, you know, pursuing your dream and wanting to do the things that matter and, um, for you as well as your family, that there's also people there to help yeah. on the back end. Yeah. Um, so that's really, I really value that. And it doesn't make it any easier. It's really, really hard. 
mm-hmm. to be away from him. Um, and it changes me, you know, like in ways sometimes that I'm not totally comfortable with. Uh, I'm a better person when I'm with him, you know, and I know that. So, yeah, I think that it's, I'm glad you talked about the way that you piece it all together as a whole family, because I think that, you know, again, you're showing the world, this is a new model of normal family. And in some ways, it's always kind of been that way. I mean, people like to think of the value of family or family value as being the traditional nuclear unit. But when, but that's not it anymore. We, that's not the norm anymore. And so I think that we're in the process of changing the appearance of family and valuing it for what it really is. And, you know, I was just going to say, and, and grandmothers have been part of the fabric of that always and grandfathers and aunties and uncles and close friends and sisters. They've always been there. It's part of the fabric. Absolutely. Yeah. And family is definitely what you make of it. You know, like the traditional model works great, you know, and other things can work great too. I just think that, you know, when you're working a little bit outside of the box, you might have to work a little harder to start or something like that. But, you know, if the pure intentions are there and the love is there, um, it'll figure its way out. Especially if you're willing to put itself out, if you're willing to put the time and energy into it that it needs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which can also be challenging when you're on the road. So, yeah, uh, it's, I mean, it's not like a perfect, shiny, <laughs> easy thing that, you know, just kind of um, happens. I think, like, there's a lot of tensions, too. You know, Donovan gets really frustrated with me for being gone, and I get frustrated with myself for being gone. And mm-hmm. Bill and I have all sorts of communication issues, and I come home and want to know why Donovan's been watching so much TV. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like so there's, there's, there's problems there. Um, in fact, on this last tour, after I saw you, uh, Donovan was able to join me for a couple of days and my mother as well, um, which was a really important moment of grounding that I, that I needed. I needed to, I needed to feel, um, I needed to feel like I actually had a place, Mm -hmm. which is hard to find when you are like living in a van and camping all the time and driving city to city. Had he seen you perform before? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so he gets it. Time. Yeah, he knows. He knows, and he's and he's proud. You know, he he knows that it's a good thing. Okay. Um, last night though, he you know he, he he doesn't want me to stop. He just wants to come with me. You know, and he said, "I wish I could just go wherever the van went, and maybe someday I can run as fast as the van, so I can beat it there and be there when you get there." Oh, oh. <laughs> really, sweetie. the sweetest thing in the whole world. You know, he's very. So he, like, he has a whole plan in his head of how he can be with me always and I can still sing, um, which is lovely and sweet and not totally realistic. So Maybe it is. But Maybe you'll figure he's, out He's a way. allowed to dream. Yeah. yeah. Well, me too. Exactly. Like, and right now, I mean, it's not realistic. Right now, it's not on the table. But, you know, we both, he dreams about it. And um, sometimes even, you know, the band we talk about, like, what if we have, like, you know, a big bus and a person that could come with us and take care of, you know, yeah. and yeah, there's dreams, and that's okay to have, and that's what we do every day anyway. Yeah. Oh, I could see that happening. I mean, festival season is primarily summer, which is school vacation anyways. I'm gonna that's dream, true, yeah. I'm going to dream with Donovan. I'm going for that dream. I like it. Yeah. yeah. The more people dreaming for us, the better, you know, that's great. And I could, 
and one totally see I could totally see you finding some new Grant High School graduate who wants to go on the road with you and, you know, be your in-bus nanny for the summer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I see this happening. This isn't impractical at all. It, it could totally Yeah, that's not that you're right. Like, I, I should dream yeah. bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you have, I mean, other than doing this for Donovan and to pursue, you know, to be able to you know, be creative and, and contribute that. Do you have any particular social goals you want to achieve through your music and performances? Yeah, you know, um, I have, it's really impossible to live in this world and not be completely disturbed by a lot of what you see. I mean, there's a lot of beauty out there, but for everything um, beautiful, there's something uh, terrible. And, um, you know, I, I see a lot of that, especially in Portland, as, as I've grown up, there's a lot of changes happening. Um, and, you know, with the, the influx of people coming in and the housing market going crazy, um, our homeless problem has completely spiraled out of control. Um, many people, you know, spend, I mean, they sleep in camps. In fact, our rehearsals, um, where we rehearse, there's a homeless camp directly next to it. Um, you know, people can't afford to live in the city. People don't get the social services that they need um, once they don't have an address, <laughs> you know, or a job. You know, it's like it's really hard for people to get help. Um, we have a really negative, negative attitude as a community towards addiction, um, which is ridiculous and super problematic for those who are battling that on the street with very little support. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we don't take care of our um, veterans. Like, I mean, it's just all these things just kind of compile into the point where you have a large population living outside. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I don't think it's okay. Um, but, you know, I think that, and I don't think that we do enough as people. Socially, the services are, are disastrous. But um, beyond that, as people, I don't, I don't see that we do enough to reach out and extend a hand to our, um, you know, fellow humans out there that, that could use some love and support. Yeah. And that's something that I'm really, really passionate about is just, um, has really started to, well, not even started to, it's continued to bug me throughout my whole life. Um, and so, you know, we, we, and a lot of the people that, you know, in, in my band also, we're all kind of born and raised Portlanders. So we see this happening and getting worse. Um, we wrote uh, Lay Me Down, um, which is a song off of our only album. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wrote that song about, uh, actually focused on the addiction side of it, but, it, but it's kind of all-encompassing mm-hmm. for us um, about those issues. Um, I'm not always sure like how to help. I think that people struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, right off the bat, knew that we could get started by talking about it and sharing that yeah. um, during our shows, which is something that we make an effort to do every single time, um, regardless of whether it's a wedding or not. You know, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's important to have these serious conversations where, um, and everyone has to hear them if they're going to come to our shows. We don't want to make, you know, we don't want to ruin it for everyone all day. We're not going to try to make you like cry for the next 45 minutes or something, but, um, but you touch we can on take the point. moment that we're... Yeah. Yeah. And we take the moment that we're all here together experiencing this thing to remind everyone that, you know, we could do better for each other if we tried. Um, you have, a, yeah. you have, I, I, I think that 
You know, you have a, a certain level of celebrity. I mean, you, when you're on the stage, you are the star of the show. And to be able to use that moment on the stage and, you know, the light that you are, that is being shined on you to just change people's perceptions about homeless people or people with addictions just a little, well, then you're doing the job you were put there to do. That's, that's enough if that's well, where you stopped. Is- but you, you're and probably going to do more. I think most people are good, too. I think that they want to they want to be reminded. You know, it's, I think that sometimes certain types of reminders are a little too difficult to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and people sometimes choose not to see them. Um, but, you know, at the moment that we're all together and feeling this, like, community and uh, this connection, I think it is the time to talk about stuff like that because yeah. people are just more open you know, they walk away with that feeling and that kind of pushes itself out there. That sounds like a really hippie thing to say, but right? no, I think, you know I'm, I mean? I'm right there with you. People actually, you know, like, you know, you, you take your experiences with you. Um, yeah. And so do we. So it's like, it inspires me even just talking about it, you know, to, to reach out to, like, I've been trying to reach out to a few of the local, you know, shelters in the area, assisted the road. Um, and see, like, what together as a band we can do, you know, or mm-hmm. also, like, what I can just personally do. Yeah. Um, just even having those conversations with people, you know, keeps that stuff in the forefront of our minds. So. You know, I think that as soon as you start asking those questions, the answers start coming to you. So if you're reaching mm-hmm. out to, you know, various organizations in the city saying, how can I help? How can I contribute, you know, what I have to offer? There will be answers. They are coming. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I'm thinking of things right now, and we can talk off the air about ideas for that. Um, so let me see. There were a couple of other things I wanted to ask you about the music. Um, Lay Me Down. Is that, would you say that that is your favorite song of the album? Oh, that's like asking someone to pick a favorite kid or something. <laughs> some, days, um, <laughs> some days you can. <laughs> yeah, right, that's true. Well, I mean, that's actually probably accurate for the response as well. There's sometimes when I'm, I mean, that song I feel very, very deep connection with. So when I'm performing it, it's easy for me to tap into that spot mm-hmm. um, in me to share that with, with, with everybody else. Sometimes, though, you know, um, depending on where I am in my life or what's happening or what happened to me yesterday, other songs speak to me as well. Um, so, I mean, I guess safely I could probably say Lay Me Down, but I, you know, the, the whole album for me is kind of, um, kind of, I mean, I don't know. It represents a lot of growth because the band, when we first got together, we didn't sound anything like that. And now when we play those songs, they don't sound anything like the recordings. There's something really beautiful about all that change. Um, so I guess like, I can't even really speak for like what my favorite song on the actual album is, like recording-wise, or uh, because I, actually, I prefer to play them live. I think that, you know, I, I, um, listening to them is not really my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but live performance-wise, I guess, yeah, let me, let me down probably. Or Cruise. Cruise is really fun to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back after this and listen to it again. I bought I bought your CD. I went over there and um, I remember that 
when I went over there, they were telling me that your CD was one of the most popular. And I think that... Oh, wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. That was kind of a That's cute... Awesome. That was a cute little... I always like the um, the merch areas of festivals because the people are... The people that work there tend to be people from the community, don't they? I mean, they volunteer in the merch merchandise yeah, tent so. in order to get free admission. So you see the kids yeah. and, and the parents and the you know community members in there, and you kind of get a different flavor for how they felt about the music. It's fun. Absolutely, and they get to see people when they're usually at their happiest, too, so they're usually in a good mood, which is yeah. nice. Yeah, it's fun. I like that. Yeah. So what else do you want listeners to know about you and your music and your work and your your life in the world? Well, I mean, it's hard to kind of, like, talk about it in that sense. I, I think that um, I really like to meet people and I really like to make friends. So I, could, I really encourage uh, people, if they're interested, to come find me at a show and come talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been really lucky this summer has been crazy. We've been into so many places and I've got, I've been able to make personal connections with people that I would, you know, I never decided you'd never get to meet people outside of um, this many people outside of this type of job. It's crazy how many paths cross. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I get to that. And that's probably one of my, my favorite aspects of it. Um, and I just like to add more people to that pile. It's really, it's really interesting to step into different communities. Um, and that, that's, that's something I've grown to really, really love, even when I'm missing my son the most. And even when we're the band is struggling to communicate, which happens, you know, and like when we're tired and cranky, um, a lot of the time, you know, performing and, and then being able to share and talk to people, um, afterwards is more than rewarding. Um, so anyways, if you guys want to be a part of that, that'd be great. Cool. And they can find you on Facebook. And we'll put all Absolutely. of that in. We'll make sure that our listeners get all that information about the band and the website and Facebook and the album. We'll get all that information into the end. So we have time for one more question. And this is the question that I ask everybody. Where are you in your life as a mom? Wondering if I'm doing anything right. <laughs> you are. I think that that happens frequently. I like have these bursts of panic where I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> was I supposed to have done this? Is he, like, or is he caught up in the shop? You know, like I'm. I keep running into things that I feel like I could do better. Um, but then I also, it's interesting because it, it's like a two sides of a coin. I feel that way, and then sometimes I don't understand how he could be so perfect. I'm like, I, I can't be responsible for this. Someone else has taught him all these wonderful values and lessons. You know, like he's a wonderful child. I think that it's like a, I'm going to this ever-evolving state of, like, it's like an emotional roller coaster constantly um, between just pride and uh, questioning every single choice I make. <laughs> That sounds like my day, too. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's ever going to go away, um, because I feel like I remember feeling this way a lot, (laughs) like, in my my life. So, um, As far as I can tell. Now there's someone else involved, and I feel more responsible. So I think those, uh, the ups and downs feel 
higher and lower. <laughs> yeah. As far as I can tell, that's that's just the way it goes if you are a extremely sensitive and creative and empathic person. I, I as far as I can tell. <laughs> yeah, well I mean if you well if that's true then you must be on the right path then. <laughs> yeah. I I saw you on stage, Sarah. You're on the right path. You're doing you're doing just fine. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Well, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. It was a really good conversation. It's absolutely. Always nice so much fun. Share with women. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting. Of course. I can't wait to talk to you later. Okay, cool. Today's guest was Sarah Clark, lead singer of Dirty Revival. You can download her music, watch videos, find out where they're playing at dirtyrevival.com. Sarah says find her on Facebook, too. She's friends with everybody. Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast, is produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. You can learn more about me and my work at jeanfaulkner.com. You can pick up a copy of Common Sense Pregnancy everywhere books are sold. Tweet me at Jean Faulkner and send me your questions, jean at jeanfaulkner.com. And, hey guys, we're still looking for, subscri- for subscribers and sponsors and donations to keep this conversation going. So help a girl out, will ya? Jean at Jean Faulkner. Talk to y'all next week. Bye-bye.